Ever Podcast presents Fill the Gap, brought to you by Evertrain Productions. This episode was recorded on a digital platform. Some video and audio glitches occur during this recording. Yes, so we met uh, at the Guadalajara Film Festival, and I remember it was one of my nightmare scenarios because I am not a social person. And I was there with the director of the film, Angel Estrada, and he's a completely social person, right? And as we all know, the thing about about film festivals, yes, of course, it's the films, but you're there to meet people, you know, make make connections and all that. And I was like, I have to like do something like that. And I we walked to the party, and as soon as we walk in, he's like, see ya, and he just goes off. And I'm just like, oh my god. So I was just literally like standing there, like all by myself, like a freaking loser. And then all of a sudden, I feel smoke, like cigar smoke in my face. And I'm like, what the hell? And my first reaction was, I got to be a dick about this because that's, that's how I am, you know? And I was like, no, man, you're here to socialize, make friends. And then I turn around and then I see this lady, you know, just going, like taking a picture. She's like, smoke <laughs> directly in my there. face. My friends, there was a beautiful light and I was smoking into the light. Because oh, right, right. Sort of thing if you're she in just, a and i remember that i was like photobombing and then i don't know what you said but i immediately caught that accent and i was like what she's not like some this mexican you know lady that's trying to speak english i'm like oh my god there's there's an actual accent and then we got to talking uh and we talked for about i don't know 20 minutes and then you had to leave for like a party and then uh i i guess we exchanged cards and here we are, like three or four years later, you know? Years later, yeah, in the middle of COVID. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of this worldwide pandemic. Yeah, but, you, you know, know, to a certain extent, uh, it has helped us. Um, I mean, we're trying to look at the silver lining with this COVID yeah. deal, right? Uh, it has helped us on this podcast because uh, we're planning to do this podcast pre-COVID. And we're thinking about, you know, creating this big budget to go travel and meet everybody. But I think that after COVID, it just made, it makes this easier and convenient for everybody, especially yeah. for, you know, like you, like our guests, like you. No, definitely. Definitely. Zoom is like, it's just every, an everyday thing, right? Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, don't get me wrong. I miss, you know, people inviting clients to dinner or something like that. Now we're making like this social, virtual dinners, which is really awkward. And you social. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, Anna, um, you, I know I've seen uh, a little bit of your work. I've seen, um, uh, I've seen Hilda, and I've seen a couple, I've seen a couple of short films. See the one you did with, with Tinoch Huerta. And I, Mercy. And I've seen that one. Uh, so we're here to talk to you. You know, I, I was, uh, I was just telling Anna Hel that I'm so excited because we, we get to talk with like a proper actress, you know? And I've told you, we, you and I, we both have dwelled into acting. We're, we're, we're both filmmakers. I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm a director. So we can actually, like, go deep into this whole acting stuff, you know? So the, the first thing I want to I uh, um, ask you, Anna, is uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what's the background? Like, what's your deal, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Is that one, is it? Right. That um, one, yeah. Well, I'll I mean, I actually studied philosophy first because I have a lot of existential problems, which is actually related to acting, I found out later. Right. Is, um, 
Stephanie Schlossby, I decided to go and do um, a master's in physical theater in Turin in a school called Atelier Teatro Fisico, a guy called Philippe Radice. And I was there for three years. And then, like, in an intermittent year, while I was studying philosophy, I came to Mexico for a, for a year, and I really enjoyed it here. But I was also like, what the fuck am I going to do in Mexico? That's weird. Like, English actress, studied in Italy, living in Mexico, what, what kind of roles would I get? And so I was a bit reluctant to come back. But then every year, there was, like, some excuse. I'd get invited to teach. I taught in, like, Tijuana and then in Guadalajara and then Mexico City a lot. And um, I just kept coming back and, and, and I got more and more film. Like even though I studied uh, physical theater and I kind of like my idea was to do more theater, um, I kept getting more and more film work. And, and that's like, that's really how I started dedicating myself to this because I obviously studying philosophy, I thought I would be unemployed a lot. And um, yeah, I mean, well, when I studied uh, theater, I started to write and I like wrote a couple of pieces of, of theater. And that's kind of, I, I saw myself more directing theater than anything. But when I got to Mexico City, I actually, a lot of doors opened for me. I met uh, an amazing director called Farida Schroeder and she she says that I'm her, um, her, fet her fetish actress and she pushes me and you know, I love her to bits because she's like, we're each other's number one fans. So I started to work with her and she's the director of Mercy. And um, after I did Mercy, like, I hope it's not because I was naked like half of the film. Like I started to get a lot of work. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a strange story because like I would have thought that I would have been able to do that all the time. And that, I mean, that's how I've been living for the last 12 years, you know, so there's a lot of filming a lot. And then I did a lot of short films. I met some amazing directors and, and I had an opportunity. Also, like, I also write, so it really worked out really great for me because I, I managed to have enough time to write the things that I wanted to write and at the same time be involved in some amazing projects and, and yeah, and mostly film, which which is great. I never did any television. Like I didn't have that. Um, oh no, I did a couple of a couple of series at the end, like the last couple of years that I was in Mexico City. But yeah, mostly mostly I did film, and it's always great to work with directors. I love. Yeah, I love. Um, I really love interpreting other people's stories. You know, for me, I always felt like it was a very big privilege, but also a responsibility to take something that maybe somebody had been working on for years and years and years and make that like real and tangible and visible and criticable, you know, like, cause sometimes it's tough when people have an idea and they turn it into something real and then the real world has things to say about it that they, they hadn't anticipated. But, but I really felt that that was a privilege and I got to work with some amazing directors and yeah, I, I I'm, I'm quite proud of that, you know? You really started acting full on until you got here in Mexico. Did you ever do anything uh, back home? No, like because I, I didn't really um, I didn't really do acting when I was in the UK. I studied philosophy. So I was in the University of Greenwich and I studied that for three years. And while I did philosophy, I like I did a section which was dramaturgy. So I, I did a performance as my as my thesis of that and the performance was kind of abstract and kind of showed, I suppose, like the existential problems of an actor because it was all about like how 
how to understand it and how to know who you are. And I guess, like, I suppose those themes are always with me because I really feel like they're my main themes as, a, as an artist, as a person. You know, I'm always thinking about how we become who we are and, and what makes us who we are and how you can, as an actor, how you can show, like, a rich inner world of someone with a few jests because I, I tend to think that that actually communicates a lot more. I think we understand a lot more about who people are through the things that they do more than the things that they say, which is a bit bizarre because you get a script and it doesn't usually tell you much descriptions of, of things that they do that tells you what they say, but, but that's where you get to interpret, you know, you get to fill in all of those blanks and make that rich. And, and so, yeah, I guess, I guess that, um, no, in the UK, I didn't, I didn't do any acting. But, um, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the future. So that's always a possibility. Of course. You know, I have a really, uh, this is a, a really great question here. Well, I mean, I mean, you brought up something really, really interesting. You have a philosophy background and then you started acting. Yeah. From our experience, uh, yeah. John and myself, that we've done some theater and some short films in the past, uh, every time we, we were in the process of writing or uh, discovering you know, the inner process of a, of a character, we tend to philosophize, I don't know if you can use this word in English, philosophize, you know, we, we, just, we just go deep into the philosophy of the character and we start, you know, making these arguments up as to, you know, justifying the character, uh, justifying the character, his, his or her actions, the story. Do you think that, okay, you don't have a, a theater background you have a philosophy background but do you think that your philosophy background gave you the tools to better understand characters and therefore you know you've been having you've been you've been a working actress yeah i mean like i i studied first philosophy then i studied physical theater so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a bit of a juxtaposition because, you know, philosophy is all about like why, 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 why. And physical theater is all about how, 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 how. Oh, so um, I absolutely agree that like all of the philosophizing, I think that especially when you're writing, when you're writing, you need to question yourself of the coherence because I mean, I'm not saying that people are very coherent, but usually they have a belief system that like that runs through all of their actions and I think when you're writing you really have to be conscious of that because because um because once you've written something you have to give that to the world and all of these hundreds of different people have to take it and interpret it and make something then coherent like all together and at least I can say like as an actor I'm not a producer or anything like that but as an actor when you take a script like what you want to do is be faithful to like to lots of different levels like first of all you want to be faithful to your character and to, to the reality of the things that they do because sometimes um sometimes people do really bad things and um and you as an actor you can't judge them you have to be sympathetic to them no matter what they do and and i think that uh, that sensitivity to even be able to take something that's like you'd say unjustifiable and, and be able to enter into it and and give it belief and be sensitive to that person and understand that they have a reason for behaving that way. I think that that's something that you really have to take on as an actor. But I think that really good actors also understand 
when you read a script, you want to understand the function of a character within the script. So um, when you get a really great script, you, you can already tell why your character is there. Um, you can understand if your character is, is the main character, or sometimes you understand that your character is actually there to enhance another character. And so you have to have the ability then to be able to step back and say, okay, um, I understand that my function here is, is this. I'm going to create the reality for my character because I have my responsibility is to create the reality of my character. But I also have to understand my function in the, in the bigger scheme of things in the, in the script as a whole is this. And so you have to understand how to position yourself like then when you're on scene, like in relationship to the camera and things like, because really there's nothing worse than having an actor who has a little teeny tiny part and, and, and is desperate to grab the limelight, you know? So like, if you don't have a consciousness of, of like these different levels, I think that it can, you can cause a lot of problems for your director, for your production, you can kind of betray the script. And so I think that that level of, um, of interpretation, I think is, is something that I would definitely consider was given birth to through philosophy for me because I think really great actors they take it all in and they just process it and they don't think about it that much but that's not that's not the way that I work like I'm a very studious actor so like I'm going to study everything and I'm going to come with everything that I've got and I love doing I love doing 40 takes and and I love um giving everything I don't think there's just like there's some actors that come to set and they're just like this is what I do and and don't really have a lot of different options but I love I love it like I mean I'm going to use the example of Mercy because I think I think you've got seen it um so this is a like 14 minute uh uncut uh, one shot so we filmed it for two days and like it was pretty it was pretty rough but every single like the the director had so much confidence in us that every single take afterwards she would give us feedback like so precise feedback so like it would be like okay Anna like this time after you you put your hand on his head like you breathed in in this take and I really need you to repeat that and then look up the uh, look up the ceiling and when you're going to turn and look at the camera I need to feel this this and this you know and that when you have that like oh yeah I just got I just got goosebumps <laughs> Because you know that you're, you're like a portal, you know, like this, you're, this script that somebody has spent so much time on is living through you. So for me, that, that piece I love because I know that, like, I gave her everything, you know, and she was always like very, very comforting because she would always say like, don't worry if I have to do jump cuts and stuff like that, I don't care. But I knew that she wanted a one shot, you know, we both knew, Denoch and I, we knew she wanted a one shot, you know, so... So we just kept going at it and going at it and she had the confidence to like to, to keep asking for what she wanted. And I feel that that for me is like a really great director because some actors I mean, I don't I'm I don't want to generalize, but some directors that I've worked with, they don't know the capacity of an actor, they don't know how much you can give them and so they they kind of um, they try and find someone who's kind of similar to the character that they have in their head and then they kind of just accept what you give them, but they don't really know that you could give them anything, you know? So they don't push you to get that perfect, that perfect thing, which is like, 
freaking crazy, you know? Like, if I think about it now and it's like, you know, you've, you've gone through 14 minutes and, like, that, the second day of filming, I had a terrible cough. So, like, my character didn't have a cough, you know? So it's like 14 minutes, I can't cough. I'm pretty exhausted because we're filming all night. So this is probably, like, about 4 or 5 in the morning. We had an earthquake in the middle as well, Ooh. which was crazy. And then, um, and so, like, and it was the last take, which is the one that, that was chosen. But because we already got to that point where we were just like, we were there, you know, and we weren't, I wasn't thinking about the character. Like, like we did all this work, we did all the rehearsal, we rehearsed for a week. And like, by the time we got there in the second day, like, she could ask me for these like super specific things, but because like all the characters there, all the actions are there, you've got a fucking choreography. And then on top of that, she wants this, this final look of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here, you know? And she's trusting you. She's not telling you, like, in that, I want you to kind of close your eye and blah, 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 but you know what, because you, you kind of all enter into this crazy reality, you know? Um, oh, my God, I think I completely just went around that. that no, house, that's great. Like, like, uh, that, that makes, yeah. That, that's exactly what uh, All the wonderful things that you were, you were saying, I, I, I was remembering that just a few days ago, I was watching this master class that Iñárritu gave at UNAM, and uh -huh. he was talking precisely about that, about actors and knowing uh, how how deep their actors were in in their in their uh, uh, their abilities. And um, I actually wrote it here a little bit. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. Oh my God! Hold on. I don't have something to drink. Am I allowed to smoke? Is that rude? Is that bad? You, no, you know, Anna, you, Anna, you can do whatever the fuck you want. All right, no worry about it. You know what? Let me tell you something. I, I, I quit smoking <laughs> now for about a year, and I miss smoking. So, uh, okay. please, you know, we might I'll get you. I'll smoke. You can, you can smoke through me. And apparently, exactly. I smoke pretty well. I, yeah, I you know what? Why don't you take the smoke and then blow it into the camera? It'll be a flashback to four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good memories. So, Anna, back, uh, back on the acting thing. Uh, but like uh, well, once again, like going back to Nyarito, he was he was saying that he thinks there are two types of actors: the actors that work from inside out, and uh -huh. the actors who work from inside out. Uh, I myself, the times that I've done roles, I am definitely you know outside in. You know, um, what kind of actor do you think you are? Where do you fall in the category? Well, I mean, I've, I've got to say, like, I'm going to have to, sorry, be a bit anal about that because um, Iñárritu might have said it, but it's not really his because, cause, I mean, there's there's an absolute, like, technique of, of this work. And I think that, um, I think that the best actors do both, you know, because, um, you know, I studied physical theatre and, like, the, like, the basis of physical theatre is that you can express anything in gesture, you know, so... Um, and I really, really believe that. Like, but for example, to understand what a gesture means, you have to have uh, a really um, elaborate vocabulary of gesture. And to decide what is the best gesture, you have to also you have to really know your character, which is psychological, you know. So. Um, you know, Grotowski, who is a work from the outside in, said that you could find a movement that would that would provoke uh, that would provoke you to cry. So 
I believe that because that's happened to me. Like in my training, I've definitely felt that that you that you get to a point <laughs> through physical work that you that you can provoke things through your body. But I also I also think that in cinema in specific, I think that you need to know also how to to be very deep with yourself and you learn how to navigate the inside of yourself the same ways that you can navigate the outside of yourself. So you, you, you know your buttons, you know where you look for anger in yourself and you know where you look for um, pain and sorrow and regret and things that, um, that are universal like through di through different characters you know like um i i mean like I, I mean i can talk like the theory around it but it always ends up being a little bit more complex right because you can say a character um i always try and find like the pillars of a character you know like what are the things that really make that that character click and um and i think that they're things that are true all the way through their lives but then I think that also we go through, even if you have a character, then you have periods in your life where you're definitely like, you can have a depression, you know, you can be a happy person and be having a depression. And then you can, you could be having a depression, but then you can have a really freaking great day. It's like a great day within your depression. So like to be able to pull of all of that together, I think, um, I think there's a psychological aspect to it, but there's also kind of like a little bit of alchemy there, you know, because um it's kind of difficult to be like a person who who has a super like i don't know like a character who is who has a great belief in destiny but they've something terribly traumatic has happened to them but at the same time something beautiful has happened in that moment like um i'm trying to think of an example oh um have you seen kidding kidding um uh, Jim Carrey. TV Waller Bridge, the show. Mm, it's a, it's a TV show, yeah. TV Waller Bridge, uh, yeah. No, kidding. No, kid. Oh, it's with oh. Jim Carrey. No, I haven't. It rings no, a bell. You love this. It oh, rings my. a bell. This is a testimony to like, because this is a character who is a character who has had like, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, um give too much away but it's a character who's had like a very sheltered very optimistic life but um as you get to know him a bit better you realize that that is kind of a little bit superficial but then his son dies and then within that like you know within that period of like deep deep mourning um there are moments when he's he's like deeply um fascinated with things that are happening with him and i think to have that kind of uh, depth in a character where you can tell so much about them without having like a huge backstory because this is I mean this is kind of something I I notice a lot in narratives now like that they're always kind of trying to tell you all of the story of the character like like his like what happened to pock them off and to make them like uh, have have you know problems with their relationship so then they show you their mother and the parents fighting and blah 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 and it wasn't always like that and I kind of missed that because when something is really well written you can you can give that all without having to have a flashback and having to go back into their life and see those things you can you can intuit all of that and 
Yeah, so I, I mean, but this is a kind of problem I have with narratives right now, you know, that I'm seeing a lot of. But, um, but as far as, as working from the outside in or the inside out, I've seen other actors um, do both and have been completely moved by both. I think that for theater, I would tend to work from the outside in and for cinema, I would work from the inside out. That, uh, now, staying on the on the subject and also a little bit on, on what you said previously about you know your experience on sets uh you know from my experience with with actors you know um uh, i i really don't like the auditions I, I i'm not a big fan of the audition process uh because i think it's a little bit pointless uh i mean if i mean if someone comes in from the door and you give them a page and you judge their acting ability just on those five minutes that he had with the page. It's like, that's not acting, that's like improv. And not everybody's good at improv. It, it's, it, it's not, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, and and, and I, hold on, and, and it's, it's a little bit, I don't know, it's like, how, how do you expect the, I don't know, like, how can I expect them to give me exactly what I'm looking for when I just give them, the, when I just gave them the page five minutes yeah. ago, or even if you gave them something with 24 hours notice, I much prefer to see something they have done, you know, uh, whatever it is, even if it, even if it is like a five minute short film, like I want to see them in action, that, that, that is going to tell me a million more times more than, you know, seeing you read something here for the first time or something that you had for 24 hours. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of that process, but uh, to, from my experience, what I much prefer the whole idea of like, is he or she a good actor? Uh, I can do a lot more with commitment, with a committed actor than a very talented actor. Whatever. I mean, sometimes I have been able to get a much better performance from maybe a not so much experienced actor, but he was committed. You know, he was there to do the job because I really, I fucking hate. And maybe this is, my fault as a director, when I see an actor like pumping the brakes, you know, like deliberately pumping the brakes or not saying the line or not doing the action properly. Uh, and uh, like I said, maybe, maybe that's my fault as a, as, a, as a director, but when they're not fully committed. So to me, that's the key to, uh, well, so I, won't say, I, I won't say a good yeah. actor. I'm sorry? Oh, I want to apologize on behalf of that actor because unfortunately I think that it wasn't the actor the problem wasn't the actor, the problem was the human being. Like, there's a lot of ego <laughs> that's involved. But, and, um, but, but what, I, what I will say, and it's kind of going back to the, the, the thing of the casting, because I actually had the opportunity to be a casting director in like about two years ago, and it's crazy, but you can tell a lot about people. What's interesting here is that actors, directors, and anybody in the, in the artistic industry, in the entertainment industry, there's big egos in the place, right? The thing is that oh, yeah. it's not as, as, and I was mentioning, which I thought it was really cool. It's not that you're an actor. It's that you're a director or a producer or a casting director or whatever, a manager. Is that is the person. And, and what I'm really, really intrigued here is how quickly can you read a person by an audition, by a five-minute audition. Anna was telling us that she can read, I mean, you can read a lot about people in those five minutes. So can you tell us about your experience? 
Um, I mean, it, it really, I mean, I guess it really does also depend on your criteria, huh? Because like, I definitely went into it thinking that I wanted to send really good actors that I wanted to, um, that it was the first time this director had directed. So I wanted people who, who were very confident, who could propose things, but like, I mean, I went in there with my, my little, my little geeky hat on of like, I had my list of things that I was looking for, but I mean, you can definitely tell in 20 minutes, um, an awful lot about a person. You can tell, like, for example, um, some people come in, they have a really great proposal, like they have a really good first take, and then you ask them to change something and they start to fall to pieces or they can't remember the text because the way that they learn the text is, is one way, you know? So if you, wanted, you want them to change their interpretation of the text, they can't do that. So I, I would definitely choose a versatile actor over um, an actor like, I mean, uh, now I'm, I'm going to show my prejudice that I have a bit of a thing with method acting because I feel like it <laughs> definitely due to the, towards that kind of thing that you feel like, no, but I know this character and this character would do it like this. Yeah, but um, yeah, but I wrote the script and I don't want you to do it like this. I want you to do it like that, you know? So like, so that you don't get into that kind of conflict. I feel like this whole thing of like these act actors who are like, I have studied this character. I know how he how he would have breakfast how dare you director tell me that he would not chew his popcorn for <laughs> you know like, yeah but you know i have a script and and in the script it, this is like two lines which is equivalent to i don't know maybe 20 seconds and you want me to film you for five minutes chewing popcorn so like i have a bit of a problem with that because you know because also the director has to take so many things into consideration which isn't just uh, the interpretation of the character. So I think that the thing is, in a really great team, you would have you would have a um, a flexibility within this, and maybe there's a way that a great director would would instruct an actor to get him to come on board. But sometimes you just want them to you just want the actor to do what you want them to do, you know, and just eat the freaking popcorn more quickly, you know. So um, I don't know. Like I would say that definitely from my my one experience which was just helping a friend of, of uh, casting uh it really helped me to realize how much you can see of someone in just a couple of takes because really the actually the interpretation of the text sometimes is like so well, overwhelmingly great that it's the only thing that matters but more often than not uh, you you're looking for someone who uh, who listens to you, who te can take direction, who, um, who, who you could even say to them, can you give me another option and we'll give you another option without giving them direction, just, uh, just trusting that they have uh, a big, a big theory and that they can do things different ways, you know? So I would always go for that over, um, over the, the, this, well, this was what we were getting into, wasn't it? Which was, um, that some, sometimes there's a little bit of fear on behalf of the actors that they just want to see you and they want you to be the character. And I, I would definitely say that that's, that's something that exists because there are definitely casting directors that work that way and they just want to see the character and they want you to be that character. But, um, but I've had the privilege to work with directors who don't work like that and it's much more fulfilling as an actor because because it also allows you to explore and it allows you to do different things and and 
always get to something better. I always believe that like more, the more times, the more takes you get that you're getting somewhere more pure, you know, you're closer to the idea that the director has and, and, yes. uh, but then there are some actors that are just like my, I, there's only, Oh God, what was, it? I think there's a phrase that is something like the only original, the only original take is the first take, you know? So some actors <laughs> really believe this and no. I'm not one of them, you know, I'm definitely not one no. of them believe that yeah. or I freaking I would be super happy to do like 40 takes of everything I know that's impractical yeah. and completely ridiculous but hey if if it was for me I would like go work through it and I would freaking nail that on the 40th you know? <laughs> yeah I I've uh I just barely on my last work my last film I just barely adopted that philosophy which I, I like if I if I if I had to choose I wouldn't do so many takes because yes, it's exhausting. But also, I'm not afraid to do 70 takes to get exactly what want. I want. Exactly. exactly. You know, so, so if we can get it in two, three takes, perfect. But if we right. have to do 70, we're um, going to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I totally. But but this is it. This is I. Uh, this is why I also say like. But it's kind of the same thing that I was saying about the script. Like some actors read a script, they only read their own lines. Maybe they don't even read yeah. the lines of the other person. Like. This is what you see when you, you cast someone. Some people, some actors learn their lines and they don't learn the lines of the person that they're speaking to. So they'll, they'll interrupt you because they, they really haven't learned a dialogue. They've learned kind of a monologue. So that kind of thing for me is like, right, that chavo, you know, like I'm going to cross your name off the list because, because for me that's unacceptable, like because acting is reacting. And so yes. if, like, I mean, sometimes I would just reread uh, the, I, I'd ask them to do another take and I would uh, read the text in a different way with different intonations and like perhaps a different rhythm or a different intention. And I would hope that they would change because I would hope that they were listening to me and sometimes they don't. So those kind of things show you the quality of that actor. But, um, but yeah, not everyone works like that, you know, so... You know, there's a there's a really funny story with uh, I thought you mentioned that uh, Eva Longoria uh, uh -huh. when she auditioned for her role in Desperate Housewives. Uh -huh. uh, I remember that her role; she was really, really greedy and uh, uh, a really greedy woman with a huge ego, and because she was a supermodel and and her husband was rich, you know. Yeah. So, um. So when she auditioned for the role, the I believe it was a casting director or somebody uh, found out that she never like actually memorized or not that you have to memorize the other person's lines, but she she just memorized her lines like she didn't even care she didn't even read anything from the other characters she just read her lines she just memorized her lines she didn't give a fuck about the other characters and. <laughs> and they hired her because they're like, you know what? Your character is like that. You right. are like that. Just, just go on over. Yeah, but see, this, this is where I say that there's this big fight in, in Mexican cinema because because um, a lot of the really great directors don't are kind of put off by you being an actor because they feel like they just want they want that person. They want you to be that person and they don't want to have to direct you. And, and That's idiotic. I, I get it. 
but but I don't know if they've worked with really great actors because working with really great actors you can get that too but you can also have other things you know and then I suppose once you once you've chosen your actor if that's the way you're working then you just have to kind of accept everything that they give you and or you have to kind of I don't know torture them to get the things that you want you know because Mm -hmm. um because a really great I mean I don't know like I mean you know I'm gonna I'm going to end up talking about Laurence Olivier or someone who's like a right. very, very, like, because I mean, you know, but then he had some phrases that are like, let the wig do the work, you know? So like, I don't think he <laughs> was right about everything, but I also do really think that, um, that, uh, that, well, there's this really famous story about him. He was working with Dustin Hoffman and Dustin Hoffman's like super method, right? So so um, one day they show up at set and, you know, Laurence Olivier is like perfectly preened and Peinalita, uh, like he's, he's just, you know, he's slept all night and he's like looking fabulous and he goes into makeup and Dustin Hoffman is like, he comes in and he freaking smells like, like alcohol and vomit. And, and he says to him like, Dustin, are you all right? I mean, what's going on? Are you, are you, um, um, I mean, has something happened? And he said, no, no, like my, my character is going through like this really horrible moment and it's like he's so tortured and so like I decided I would just walk the streets and just drink whiskey all night and just not sleep I slept on a bench and I woke up like half an hour ago and I got a cab here and and Lawrence Olivier turns to him and says like Dustin why don't you try acting (laughs) (laughs) that that reminds me so much. And I, I, I think I knew I, I think you were there. Uh, this is years ago, years ago, and we were doing this <laughs> film and uh, I had to play one of the parts because I don't know, we couldn't find an actor. I don't know why. So it was like I had to play one of the parts. And we were just about to do this scene where it's sort of like a fight scene and with this other actor, this local actor, and he's like a theater actor, and he's he's like super method, right? And we were supposed to supposed to do the scene, right? And it was supposed to be like this insert. So we, we both had to be like out of breath <laughs> and he turns to me and he goes, Hey man, um, you want to go outside with me and we can do a couple laps around the building. So we're out of, be- out of breath. Right. And I just like turned to him and I was like, or we could act as if we were out of breath. Look, it's the same thing, man. <laughs> and he sort of looked at me like, God damn it. <laughs> but he gave me like this look like, Oh, you're not a proper actor. And I was like, motherfucker, come on, man. You just act. As, so I, I, t- I totally get it. I'm not mad at that at all, you know? Uh, so I totally get that. Uh, there's this question that I, I want to I I I ask you, Anna, and we just, um, I ask this question to uh, every artist, uh, which something that I'm fascinated with, which is the creative process of an artist. Um, I, I, I call myself a proper artist, not just because I went to like an art school, but because I have to do art. Like I physically and mentally and spiritually need to do art. Uh, for the past six months, I haven't had a camera in my hand, so I've been painting and drawing. Uh, so I'm very interested about the creative process of each individual artist. And um, you're an artist, you're an actress. And my question to you is, what is your creative process like? Like, uh, do you just act? Do you do something like any, do you have any other art form outlet? Or um, if you do just act, um, what is, like, how do you prepare a character? How do you 
get into that mindset. How does your mind work? That's pretty much what I'm interested in. Okay. Just like a small one there, John. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Look, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna answer you a little bit abstract because I'm like I'm going through a process right now, which is like um like all of my life I've always had like hundreds of projects at the same time and I, I love that like I always love that about my brain I was just like you know I'm writing this script and I'm I'm doing a documentary about my father and like I had all of these crazy things on the go and then I got pregnant and like my little child absorbed all of my creative energy and literally for the first time in my life I really couldn't um I couldn't make things. I couldn't even conceive of them. I couldn't think of them. And the only thing that I could, uh, the only way that I could rationalize this to myself, because I really felt very, very, very different, was that actually this small little being was taking all of my creation because she was creating herself, you know? So, um, like, now my, my baby's two years old. She had, it was her birthday yesterday. She was born on Mexican Independence Day. And uh, <laughs> All right. the 16th of September. So, um, yeah. so I really feel right now that the creative process can take so many different forms. Like, it's not a surprise to me that you would say that now that you're not filming, that you would be painting. And because if you have that need that is expressed, but if it's, if it's, I think that everyone has that, you know, like, um, but I think that it's expressed in, it can be expressed in so many different forms that, that even, you know, um, growing a child inside you is, is a creative act. If you decide that that's what it is for you, if you allow that to teach you things. So although I couldn't like for the last two years, I haven't been able to, um, I haven't been able to sit down and write and literally like it just came back when I stopped breastfeeding. Like I literally just, my brain came back and I was like, oh my God, this was what my brain was like. And I get my three million <laughs> things that I want to work on and I love it. But I also, I love the fact that, um, that our bodies are so intelligent and that our nature is like so refined that, that, that we, we, we almost have a, like, uh, the word is like vinculo, like a link, a link. To yeah. we create that is um, that is so smart that when you when you're really creating, like when your body is creating, like it, it takes up all of that energy, you know. And now that I have it back, like I'm so grateful for it because I I like I really feel it and I really like I have these and there's dreams and they resolve my problems about my idea like at the moment like they're just talking about like because I, I I'm unfortunately a todologa I do everything <laughs> now I'm I'm actually because uh, partly because of COVID that I'm is writing. so Mexican eh todologa yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah I'm a what's it, a hand like a handyman and, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's everything you know but like now I'm writing again so like I, I'm I'm writing um like a bible for a for a like a short series and yeah. it's like 
it's crazy because I realized that I'm actually writing it as an actor. So I get to like, now I'm actually being like a 25 year old uh, computer geek. And then like in a couple of days time, I'm going to be like a 60 year old, um, that same character when he's 60 and I'm, you know, writing his, like his memories of these things. And it's, and it's crazy because actually as a writer, you can go beyond things that you can as an actor, because I guess like um, at the, just before I got pregnant, like I, I felt like I kind of had got to the limit of, it's kind of, I mean, this is a little bit of a problem about the casting thing. It's kind of, I'm going to, we're going to bring all this stuff together. So like, um, there is one limit to, to the casting, which is in the end that people are seeing your body. Right. And, um, there is a way that you have to present yourself in a casting and that ends up kind of, uh, stereotyping you so I ended up getting a lot of the same characters in the end and that was really frustrating for me because I didn't want to be a freaking gringa like uh, like an Amer- North American character like uh, or a mom or all of these characters that I got um, in Mexico City I got I got to the end of that I was like I was a bit over it so when when I'm now like sitting and writing and to be able to start writing from all of these different characters that are very, very different. Um, I feel like I have the freedom that I don't have within my body because in my body, I, I have to be kind of this, you know, whereas when you're writing, you can be anything. And so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty much in love with writing at the moment. Wow. So that, I don't know uh, if that explains the... Yeah, that's, um, and which links, just links with the other question I, want, I wanted to ask you. Um, and I, before I, I, I relate to what you said about being sort of a typecast, uh, like oh, a few cool. years ago, like a few years ago, I started to get like some acting work, and, but I, I would always get cast like a solo or because if I take off my glasses, you got that. <laughs> you, got, you, mean, you got this scary guy, you know, so if I put on my glasses and I'm all right, you know, and I started getting a lot of roles of that. And I was like, come on, man. Yeah, sure. It was like, it was money or whatever, you know? But at some point, you have to be like, all right, I got to stop. That's not what I'm doing. Thankfully, you know, I'm I'm mainly a a writer-director, so I could do that. Uh, So I get what you mean by being typecast. Um, And what what you were saying about you, like, starting to get a lot of roles as 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 an American and all that. There's this this question that I, I, this this is actually like the, the first question that I wrote when I was preparing uh, this talk, which is, okay, you are from the UK and you're living here in Mexico, right? And my first question is, why? <laughs> you know, because uh, even though, I look, I, I love my country and everything, but, you know, sadly, there are a lot of things that I don't like about my country, you know? Which, uh, so we were talking about, like, why would someone who lives in the UK, lives this powerful nation, would choose to live in, in Mexico, and I don't, I don't say it in like you know, that kind of way, uh, in which I have met other people. So my question is, are you guys seeing something that maybe we are not? Like, <laughs> what, what do you see in Mexico that makes you go, yes, this is going to be my, my home? I don't know if, you, if you're planning to stay here forever, you know? Uh, but what was like the determining factor for you saying, okay, Mexico is going to be my home? for a while oh, gosh. and also you know pursue work and all that yeah okay I mean I would definitely say that my decisions are made 
uh, based on my life and not my work, because if it was my work, I would probably be in LA now as like working as a waitress, you know, but, yeah. um, oh gosh, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of, of like a clever way to talk about it, but if I'm honest, I would say that from the first time, I, I mean, I came to Mexico with absolutely no preconceptions. I, I really didn't know anything about Mexico. Like, I actually came to Mexico but thinking that I was going to go to Argentina because I started dancing tango when I was 18. And, oh, and because I'm European, I thought Argentina was pretty close. So I thought, fuck it, I'll go <laughs> yeah. to Mexico and then I'll get a bus down to Argentina. Well, that didn't happen, evidently. Okay. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Latin, Latin America, it's like, like Australia, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no. No, Australia's really big. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Because Europeans yeah. think is tiny because Europe is tiny but like you come to Mexico and you're like oh no okay so Chihuahua is like the size of Europe yes okay (laughs) so like I came here with no preconceptions and I guess I have to say what what I truthfully feel which is that I think that Mexico City is a like I always tell people when they come to Mexico City you have to be very careful what you what you wish for because it's a manifestor of your dreams and desires because um for me when when i got to mexico i like i had some ideas of things that i wanted i i i had a big kind of existential crisis which is like i i i went on a trip and like i decided that i was going to go and live in all the countries that i wanted had wanted to live in and i went to mexico thinking that i was going to go to argentina that didn't happen because i got here and it was like so overwhelmingly like more than anything I had ever imagined and the realities that I witnessed I I couldn't believe that there was so much life that I didn't know existed so for me like and then within two months of being in Mexico I went on this massive tour with my friends and I saw like Chiapas and I was like in Chiapas and I was like this is what Nietzsche was talking about this is the (laughs) pathos of distance you know so like (laughs) philosophy student who's in in Chiapas and seeing the way that um, people deal with uh, with their reality, things that don't really exist in Europe anymore, I think, because everything's kind of been a bit democratized. So everyone's pretty similar and, you know, there's different languages and stuff, but um, people are very comfortable and, and um, I think it's kind of a homogenized uh, society. And in Mexico, it's really not like you can literally just walk around the corner. And it's like, oh, my God, where am I? And then you go around the corner. It's like, oh, this is really nice. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm terrified. Somebody's going to kill me. You know, so like that kind of <laughs> difference of, of life is um, yeah. something that really attracted me. Like, how does this work? Like, how do people deal with like some with a Ferrari going through an area where, you know, people don't have water, you know, because I, I lived in Santa Fe when I first got to Mexico City. and then. Um, like I was really fascinated and, and I have to be honest that I feel like Mexico, that the people that it chooses, don't choose it. It chooses you. Like I, I, I didn't logically want to come to Mexico, but I just kept coming back and coming back. And then, as I said, like, it's a manifesto of your dreams. So like, then things kept working and working and I got a job in the university and I taught uh, theatre and um, still like I then I did more projects and I met more directors and like suddenly you know then it's like oh this is Samatis Galante like oh wow okay amazing oh you just won Venice oh that's crazy and like 
it, it was very overwhelming for me, but I also, I felt very much a part of the community of filmmakers and, and I still do. Like, even though now I live in Merida, I'm a little bit further away from it. Like, I'm really proud of Mexican cinema. I'm really proud of the, the films that my friends are making in Mexico City and the directors that I worked with. And um, I really believe that for Mexico, cinema is something very, very important in the identity that is yes. coming. And um, and hope that there is that there are voices that are that are coming to to express that. I definitely I definitely know of a couple of them and I'm very proud of them. And I they're in the you know in the good fight. And and you know, Joanne, I've I've been here for twelve years. So like I've actually lived here for longer than I've lived in 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 other countries. You know, so um, like any other one country. So um, yeah. it's it's for me like, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of bad things that I accept about Mexico because I've been here for this long, but I really feel a, that there's a struggle for people to to have a better life. And I really feel like people are doing the best that they can for that. And I, I wanna be part of that. You know, my daughter's Mexican and um, I'm, I'm very hopeful for Mexico in the future. We all are. Uh- I'm sorry, I just have one question. It's just, she, I, keep, I keep linking them. And you just said that uh, uh, in here in Mexico, we have this thing, which I'm sure you heard of, which is called malinchismo, which oh. is we tend, we tend to be in awe of everything that is foreign and shiny, you know? Uh, so you being a Brit from the UK, do you feel that you have benefited uh, from your foreign status? Um, to get work as an actress or whatever here in Mexico? No, because in the end, like in the end, the body that you have and the, like, I mean, this is going to sound like a terribly conceited um, comment, but like, I was like, God, can somebody just give me a, like, give me a character of an ugly person? Like, please just let me be ugly. I know I can do that shit, you know? But um, yeah. really, like, I, I mean, you, it's a, it's a double-sided thing, you know? So like I think that on one side you get you get good stuff from it, but then you also get bad stuff from it, you know. So I've definitely like I've definitely got a lot of good things from it, but then I've also got a lot of not so good things from it, you know? Like it's limiting. You know what I mean? It's like in the end there's only so many characters and they're usually not um protagonists, so like so you can definitely get to the limit of that, you know. But I mean, you, I mean, a lot of women say the same anyway. You know, a lot of female actors say the same thing, just because because there aren't that many characters for women. You know, there aren't many protagonist yeah. um, roles for women. So, like, hey, I, I I tend to take the good with the bad. So, I, I think that it's a mixed bag, and I'm I'm proud of the characters that I've had and. Um, I don't think that I got the characters because I'm English. I think I got it because probably of my face and hopefully because of my acting. <laughs> Some of it. <laughs> no, like, what you say is it's very, it's very true because you know this, uh, whatever face we we have, it's it's pretty much you know what what we're right. selling. You know, um, I think uh, oh my God, who said uh, Danny Trejo? I don't know if you've heard about the actor. Uh, he he said he, he says he says in interviews that. He was blessed with his face, 
because that face has been able to keep him working as an actor for over 30 years. And yeah. I'm like, yes, totally, I get it. Yeah, you can't confuse him with anyone. And if that's the face yeah. you want, that's that, that face. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, we can begin to wrap it up. Uh, Jaya, I don't know if you have any more questions for Anna. Well, I mean, it's great that you love Mexico. Um, you know, something that I was talking, I don't know with whom, is that a lot of people that are not from Mexico appreciate Mexico more than Mexicans themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the way you talk about Mexico because you're just accepting a country with its good and bad aspects, you know? I really love your perspective, you know, that you come to this country, uh, you have a daughter in this country, you got married in this country, and you accept the good and bad of this country. And I think that a lot of people, including myself, should have that type of mindset, you know? Um, also, another thing when it comes to, to acting, before we wrap it up, um, sometimes, you know, and this is a conversation that we're having, people focus a lot on the methods. You know, if you don't use a certain method, uh, your acting sucks. Or if you, if you are using the least transferred method, you're going to kick ass in acting. Or if you go to Meisner or if you go to Stanislavski and all that stuff, right? Uh, something that I've learned is that you just have to take what, you know, what best suits you, you know? I remember that when I started acting uh, my first plays, um, I was the type of guy that locked himself in a room for a couple of days, yeah. and all this crazy stuff to drink out, right? The, the day I stopped doing that is when uh, Joan and, and, and myself, we, we just didn't, we just wanted to start our own company, right? So we started with our own play. Uh, I mean, we didn't wrote it. We, we actually bought the rights for during that time. And it was a monologue. So Joanne directed it and I acted in it. But we were so busy, you know, producing it, you know, getting everything ready, all the logistics. I mean, it was a complete mess. Um, because, I mean, that's the way it is. Because we were not only, you know, uh, working on the artistic side of it, we were also producing it. And then we were also trying to get people to buy tickets. I mean, we're doing everything. We were to all of us, you know. And this is really funny because you become a producer without even knowing it, you know? Yeah. You just want people to go see your play or your film, you know? So I remember that I usually was like, oh, we need to, you know, rehearse the whole play before, you know, jumping in. And then we were so busy getting everything together and we just jumped straight at it. And that was the first time that I told myself, uh, you know what, man? You don't need to, you know, lock yourself uh, in a room for a week and then, you know, come back, come, come you know, act. Just, yeah. you know, just, just, just go along with it. Something that helped me, you know, not getting really stressed about, oh, fuck, I need, you know, to get into character. Wasn't the character was a loser in that play that we, that we, that we worked on. He was a yeah. big loser. So I was like, you know what, if I fuck it up. It's not me. It's the character. You know? So I blame it on him. You never, you never told me that. Oh, I never told him. Oh, my God. Whoa, whoa, man. So, I know I was all loosey-goosey, man, but I didn't want you to fuck up the lines. So I understand, you know, and that's really interesting. And, 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 and you seem really open-minded when it comes to what type of method you use. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you, you mix them all together. 
it's just you know you're 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 bringing up results you're kicking ass i mean that's that's what matters yeah i mean like i mean it's funny because i think this is definitely something that's 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 been brought on by age you know because um yeah i used to be very idealistic and you know when i went to study um in italy the masters in physical theater i was like super lecoq 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 which is like the style that i studied and then you realize that you finish that and it's just like you know if it works and i remember like having discussions about this and stuff if it works then take it you know like and i think it i've become a lot more pragmatic as as i've gotten older and this is definitely something that's helped me with mexico my relationship with mexico because it's like um if you want you can you can be angry with your parents all of your life and be like oh you fucked me up and i could have been a freaking huge success but because you and my mom argued blah, blah blah like you could really get stuck in that for your whole life and like that could be the reason why you you feel like you don't get the life that you want but um but if you think of it really pragmatically it's like is it more important to be to be right or to be happy and i think that in mexico you have that dilemma all of the time and it's really taught me how to prioritize like the things that work the things that make me happy the really real things and this also helps you deal with all of the other things like you know because obviously we haven't talked about the whole politics of um behind you know how people get roles and like how this is changing now like you have to have a super instagram and like all of these other things and and i think that that gives us a tendency to like focus in 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 the wrong parts of things because as an, an artist all you can really aspire to is like to touch people you know and um i think that if you focus on on the things that work and in the satisfaction that you get from the job that you do then then you can do anything you can be a producer or you can act or you can do everything which is what happens in theater that you always end up doing everything like lighting freaking um, printing the tickets like that's what theater is and it doesn't it's not painful for you and you're like i should not be doing this there should be a producer because you're just you just love what you do you just want people to see it and feel something and and that's the maximum that you can want from what you do you know and i feel like you can have that relationship with everything you know you can have that relationship with the country that you live in um you can have that relationship with your parents with your friends if you can accept them and and just find the best way to do what you can with what you have you know and yeah so I, like that's i guess that whole thing of like you were saying about not being a purist or anything yeah i've definitely got that now because because i realized that you know like for me it's one way for another person it's another way and and maybe they're even better than me you know but that might not work for me so like in the end you you always just have to do the best that you can with what you've got that's really nice that's really true as well i mean but um and i also wanted to mention another thing that we talk about. So this is the theater part, right? Uh, now, something related to movies about that you guys were mentioning, well, I mean, I don't mind doing four takes to 70 takes, you know? <laughs> Which, I mean, um, I'm with you guys, like whatever works, whatever gets the job done, fuck it, let's do it, right? Um, you know, uh, if it's 70 takes, well, I mean, poor editor, you know, that guy <laughs> having a great time. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I remember something. Um, one time, Al Pacino came to El Paso. Uh, I don't know if John told you already. We're in a border city. 
<laughs> and uh, my favorite CEO of all, and people just tell me, oh, you're fucking so good. I don't care. He's El Paso. I fucking love El Paso. You have no idea. <laughs> to me, is 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 better than NYC. <laughs> and I've never been to New York. <laughs> uh, it's the most Mexican city mm -hmm. in oh, yeah. the United States. Oh, yeah. That. Um, so he came to El Paso, right? Uh, it was like an evening with Al Pacino. So he started talking about his movies and blah, blah, blah. Of course, people were like fucking crazy with Scarface. I honestly don't think that's his best movie, but whatever, right? So he, so now he started talking about the real good movies, not Scarface, you know, like the Godfather part two, right? So he mentions, so he, he talks about this scene when uh, his brother betrays him, right? So he met, he talks about it. He says, okay, guys, so I remember when we're shooting the scene and I see that my brother betrays me and I give him this look because that's the way I, I, I just, like, felt betrayed. And it was fucking awesome. And then, okay, it was cut. It's fucking amazing. Let's do it again. And Al Pacino says, you know what? Uh, no, I can't. I just can't repeat this same sensation, this same feel. I, I can't repeat it. It was just, just felt so real. Uh, I'm not going to do it again, guys. Sorry. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it was really weird, you know. Now the, the actor, you know, called the shots. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it was a hell of a great movie, you know. So yeah. I think that it also blends with what you mentioned. I mean, as long as it makes the movie, the picture, or the, or, or, or the play. But, but definitely, like, I mean, because obviously, I'm like, the way that I like to work is to perfection things but I also can tell you that I, I feel when which is the tech that's gonna stick you know which yeah. is the one. you know yeah. that you feel it because yeah. you feel that sincerity you feel the truth so like I remember it's crazy because in this in this crazy uh 40 minute one shot um plano sequencia you know like we we there were two takes that I was just like and the director straight away, she said to me, like, it's either the first or the last. And I was like, okay, the first, the intention wasn't what she wanted, but it would have worked because it was a great, it was really a very powerful take. But then the last one was like full of all these crazy nuances of all of these takes and all of this work. And I knew it was going to be the last one, but I was like, yeah, whichever one you say, like I trust you because you like when you have a really good team you you know that you have the same criteria and and you know that like anyone who could could see something that is good knows that it's good and this is I feel like this is something that the confidence that you get with a really good director is that um that they're not questioning themselves too much and they're not overanalyzing things they know what they want and they know when it works and they trust that, you know, and I feel like, I feel like, uh, I think, I think everyone who's acted has had moments like that. And you, yeah, you, you feel something. I mean, I remember um, my first, my first acting teacher, he said, you know, sometimes you're on stage and you feel like the roof disappears and you're like connected to this. And that feeling is like, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen, it's just amazing you know it's overwhelming because you you let go of the things that move you as a person and you just give yourself to that reality and 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 I think that that's something that is yeah it's, it's transcending it makes you feel like you almost like you lived in another body you know
it 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 reminded me uh with what Jael was saying about you know uh, uh Al Pacino and I wanted to do another take because you know we felt it. It reminded me of this story and just to wrap that up. And I have one more question. And that's it. Uh, uh, it reminded me of the story what Sean Penn directed this film with Jack Nicholson. Uh, <clears throat> he I think he did two movies with Jack Nicholson. I think it was the first one. And it was this scene, and Jack Nicholson was supposed to be in the bathroom and crying, right? So Sean Penn says that they did the, the take a few times, you know, and they did it a few other times because they had some issues with the camera and with the dolly. I don't know, because they had to do the shot a lot of times. And each time uh, it was required that Jack had to, like, cry, but, like, bawl his eyes out, you know, like, crying, you know? And Sean said that he was concerned because, oh, my God, you know, how am I going to keep this guy, like, crying, just, like, crying completely? I mean, the well is going gonna, is gonna to empty out, right? Because, you know, and he said, like, take after take, Jack kept crying, but the same level, the same intensity. And he was like, what the hell? So at the end, when they had the whole thing done, Sean says that he went up to Jack and he said, how the hell did you do it? How the hell did you cry like that every single take? And Jack being Jack looked at him and went, we all have our secret, Johnny. <laughs> I was like, of course, Jack Nicholson would say that, right? Um, so um, that was literally sir. And my last question is, um, uh, as a performer, Anna, are you, are you a shy performer? And I mean that in the sense of, Right up, right before you know they're about to say action. Do you think that because th this this happens to me as as an actor, you know, I I think that I'm going to fuck everything up just before they're going to say action. And when they say action, like something happens here. But before that, I am just so, like completely torturing myself. Uh, and I and I think of myself as a as a shy performer, you know, even when I'm doing table readings. I don't know, I get very shy when I'm doing table readings for some reason, I don't know. Um, and I've, I've talked to other actors and others sort of feel like that. So this is another question that I like to ask like proper actors, are you a shy performer? Do you get self-conscious before that or do you just have this confidence like, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. Oh, um, oh my God, this is gonna sound like I'm like avoiding the question. But the truth is I, I try and think about it. I try and I try and concentrate on all of the preparation. I make sure I like I freaking nail my my text. Like if not, I'm that would make me very very uncomfortable and nervous and terrified to go on to go on set. But yeah. if I have to do something, and even if I don't like it, especially if I don't like it, like. I mean, when we filmed Mercy, I'd never done a, I'd never done a full nude. And this was like, this was like a long nude. And it was like, you, you, I didn't even know where the camera was going to be. So I didn't know what they were going to see or how much or anything. And I was like, <laughs> I really can't think about this. If I think about this, I'm, okay. I'm not going to be able to do it. So I literally just would not let myself think about it. I wouldn't think about who was there. I wouldn't think about anything except uh like what had to be done which was very much about me and about listening to the other actor and being very very present and being like completely focused on on that presence and on 
being there and being connected to to the notch in this case and um yeah i would say that i would say that the most difficult things that i've done i try and prepare as much as i can get a good night's sleep and then go in there like all guns blazing but like literally trying not to think about because i think that the thing is wherever you put your energy you kind of your energy kind of steers towards that so i think if i in my particular case if i started to think i'm gonna fuck it up i'm gonna fuck it up then i would fuck it up so like um and i also like i developed like during the years of castings and filmings and everything i think i did develop kind of a little bit of a a comfort of of feeling like if i'm here it's because they know my capacity and they've chosen me so if they've chosen me then i must have what this director think, feels that they need to to do this role and i and and combine that with an absolute dedication to 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 do whatever is necessary so like i've never i would never dream of saying no to a director even if i felt like that unless i felt like it would physically hurt me but like i have been very close to physically hurting myself and and have still like i have a very very deep incapacity to say no so like once i've said yes to doing a role like i'm i'm all in like whatever is necessary to get that done to the standard that the director wants i'm completely i'm completely there i'm completely at disposal i can i'll do anything you know so for me um i think those two things combined like i have so much confidence in the fact that i'm like i'm there to do whatever is necessary and that whatever the director will want if they have the patience to explain it to me and the patience to give me the text that I need to get there, I'm gonna get there. So like, that's how I feel about, that's how I feel about that. So yeah, because I put all of my energy into that and I don't let myself think about fucking up. Yeah, uh, and you, once again, I was about to wrap it up, but you, you touched on the subject of another question that I wrote, uh, which I don't know, this is about the idea of uh, taking risk in the pursuit of, of art. And, you know, in film, we have heard many stories about directors putting directors in very uh, uncomfortable situations. And bring them. In, my, in my early days, of, it was my first film that I wrote and directed. This was about, got six years ago. Uh, and we had to do this, um, uh, this scene, and actually I was, I was gonna do that one, where the character is like falling down from this sort of cliff and I was gonna do it. I was like, I don't care if I broke if I break a fucking like, even though we were doing the whole safety thing, you know, as far as as far as budget would allow it, you know. Uh, but I was very adamant. I was like, I want this shot. I want to see the guy blah 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 fall, you know. Uh, and even the cameraman was like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I don't care if I break a, if I break an arm. So we were all very very committed to it. At the end, we couldn't actually film that because the place where we were filming it, which was the tanks by in Texas. Uh, the authorities, they were like, yeah, there's no way we're letting you, like, guys. And we're like, hey, man, we've got this, we've got all the safety. They're like, yeah, there's no way you can, you can do it. So we didn't do it because of that. Uh, later on, you know, as, as I did a, a couple other films and I gained more experience, I was like, I, like, it dawned on me, I was like, what the fuck was I about to do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know, I'm like, yeah, it, it would have looked cool in camera. You know, but it was like, what? It was like, why was I putting myself in danger? Why was I putting the cameraman in danger? 
I was like, and I, I just made like that very conscientious decision. So I was like, first of all, never put anyone in physical danger, but also never put them in any kind of like emotional yeah. uh, danger. I mean, yes, I mean, you give them the role, you give them the lines, you know, you you, you give them a little bit of the of the backstory, and you try to get the character in that emotion, the the actor in that emotional state, you know. But even if you're working with emotion, there is a limit because you don't want to traumatize the actor. I understand that some, it includes, include, you could even say some actors believe that that's what it is to act. People, some actors feel like they have to suffer, but I, I don't think that that's necessary. And I don't even think that it's the best way to act. Like, because mm. like to be super explicit, like what if my character comes in a different way to the way that I come? So like, I have to, I have to allow myself to explore that with with freedom from who I am when I'm approaching a character you know so like um I I wouldn't want to limit my character by the way that I do things so I would I guess that um like if we're talking about the the limit between between hurting yourself like I've definitely done some things like at the end of uh, Archivo de los 53, I'm pretty sure there's a take where I tell everyone to go fuck themselves because I almost broke my ankle. Like, and I had to start uh, the job in the university the, the next day after filming. So like, oh. but, and because the, there were definitely situations that I was in danger because of, well, just because, because sometimes there are films like that, you know, that they just like go and run in a field and they don't check if there are any massive holes or anything. So it's like, oh, the actor yeah. fell in a hole and broke her leg. <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I, at that point, that was the first film that I did, and I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that, and I wasn't really protecting myself. And in yeah. some other films, short films that I've done, I've, I've had situations that I felt very compromised in and um, uncomfortable, and I maybe didn't defend myself as I would have wanted to, but. Um, but I now have that very clear. Like I, after after like a lot of years, I I can say that I I know that I'm not going to damage myself as a person for a piece of uh, for a film. Of course, absolutely. Well, Anna, um, I think that pretty much ends it for us on this. We're going to end it on this very dark note. You know, oh, yeah. we're still very happy and sharing <laughs> how we ended up. <laughs> what happened? How do you get Oh. That, that's that's how usually have conversations you get very happy and then you get very 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 dark yeah. Mood, so. uh yeah but no anna it was yeah what the fuck <laughs> uh uh it was a delight talking to you um oh, and you. Uh, i hope we can do this again often. I, I hope we can work together uh someday on a film i'm always right. writing scripts and uh actually i'm high it's not gonna let me lie I was writing a script a couple of years ago and I had you in mind for a role. And I had asked me who's gonna play who's gonna play that lens? Like, you know what? Anna Shetty, this 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 actress that I met in Guadalajara. It's like, all right. So I had you in mind. Pretty good smoke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're gonna be smoking a lot. No, just smoke. Uh, so I I don't know. I, I, I hope we can we can work together one day and uh, me. Like th that's it. This is the crazy thing. Like we met four years ago in like crazy random party. Probably a lot of mezcal involved. But oh, yeah. this is but this is the amazing thing about about like connections, you know. And and it's and it's still there. And here we are having yeah, yeah. a conversation. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. I think you've sparked something 
of uh, like like little cheese pass little sparkly things going <laughs> on in my brain of like wow this exists this is really it's a really lovely to have this conversation with you guys thank you so much for the invitation yeah, thank thank you so much Anna uh, Hi, anything else you want to add before we Anna, thank up? you very much it's 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 great to finally meet you um, you know virtually uh, next time we'll be in person but I remember that John talked a lot about you when he met you and yeah. start off with the cigarette thing and then you know. <laughs> And, and it's really interesting that, I mean, when in Rome, right, somebody from, from Britain, Italy, and Mexico, I mean, that's like, that type of uh, people you, you don't even meet, and people that are so in love with the country, so focused in their craft, and not that we're, um, you know, learning more about you, you know, getting, you, getting you to know, know you better. Um, you have your background in philosophy. I mean, it's just really interesting all, all that you've done in this short time. So we want to see more of you, of course, and if there's a chance to work with you in the future, you know, by all means. I mean, John is a great director. And he's um, I'm okay. I'm okay. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> you he's know. It's crazy. This is like, this is one, of, I'm going to end on something really ridiculous, just so we don't end on this horrible dark note. And I, <laughs> all of my life, I've heard El Paso, El, El Paso. And then at one point I was like, oh my God. El Paso is El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's El crazy. Yeah. My brain, but I'd already spoken Spanish for like 10 years and I was just like, what is wrong with my brain? In what, in what moment did I not understand that El, El Paso was El Paso? You know, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, San Diego is San Diego, not San Diego. Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that's great! Yeah, no, we 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 will love I to be here. An absolute pleasure. Okay, so I'm gonna send you off, Anna. Uh, this was Anna Shetty, British Mexican actress, wonderful person, wonderful talk. All right, thank you so much, Anna, and we'll let you go back to your thing, and we'll be in touch. Definitely. This was Ever Podcast. Fill the gap. <laughs>